Good morning. It's lovely to be with you to preach today on Easter Sunday. What a brilliant vibe in the room as well. There is some great energy here, and no doubt it is our God who is living and moving amongst us. Well, Easter Sunday is perhaps the most amazing day of all, and it's a day of great celebration. It's a day of great victory. We've been singing this morning, and, and if I had hair, my hair would have been tingling as we've, we've sang together. The, the first time my wife and I ever came to Regent, one of the, the many things that struck us when, when we walked in the building for the first time was the way that people here worshipped. And the first Sunday was, I don't know when it was, maybe around a year ago that we came here, and Daniel and the band were leading, like, like Daniel has again this morning, and... I think we sat across at that side there and Keith and Lucy were behind us and, and, and tears strolled down my cheeks as we sang together because I had never experienced people singing worship to God in the way that they had that day. And I still love that about Regent and this morning it's been the same. It's been amazing to sit at the back and listen to you all sing and praise to God. And uh, one of the things that, that I've really enjoyed, I think um, Mark's going to put the, the verse on the board for us. One of the hymns that are the songs that I have loved singing most, especially here at Regent, uh, is all about living hope. The song, I think, is called Living Hope. And thank you, Adam. And so I'm, I'm going to speak today, obviously, about resurrection and clearly about the Lord Jesus. And we want to lift him up and elevate him this morning and tell of the good news of the Bible how Jesus Christ can take you from death and bring you into life and how he can take you from the power of sin and how he can set you free. And he can take you from despair and desperation and he can give you hope. This is the truth of the Easter message, the gospel, the resurrection. We have in the Lord Jesus living hope. Now, uh, Mark, don't worry, the verse isn't in the PowerPoint and, and for reference... I messed up this morning. I haven't given Mark a copy of my notes, so he doesn't know when to click. So, well done, Mark. He's going to have to be really patient with me. But I'm going to read to you a verse from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The hymn, amen, the hymn is based on this great truth from the Bible. God has given us living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I want to split our time together into maybe three little sections today. Just checking what time it is, quarter two. We'll think of why, we'll think of how, and we'll think of what. Why do we need living hope? Why do we need it? Why bother singing about living hope? What's so special that we need to have this living hope? And how do we get it? You might be a visitor here today and you might be thinking, these people are all a bit weird. These people believe in resurrection. These people believe in a man that was crucified and put in a tomb and he raised again from the dead. This is all a bit strange. How can we have this living hope? How can you too experience what millions globally are experiencing today, hope in Jesus Christ? And thirdly, we'll think about what. What does it mean? What are the implications of of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. These are some really big things in life. Well, let's start with the why. And, and I'm going to start right back. If you had a Bible and you turned to the very first pages, you'd be in Genesis. And Genesis means beginnings. And Genesis is the book of beginnings. It tells us how God made the world and how he created the human race. And this is a great truth from the Bible. We, humanity, we are made in the likeness 
and in the image of God. Isn't that great? We are made in the likeness and in the image of God. We were made, you were made with purpose. That's great. Every one of us has within us intrinsically, in our DNA, we have purpose. We have value. We are prized and special to God. Now, I don't know every face here today. Maybe you just need to hear that, right? You're known by the God of heaven. There's purpose behind you and your life and all the things you go through every day. There's purpose. God is real. And we didn't just come here by chance. We didn't just evolve from a single-celled organism. I'm glad I said that word right. <laughs> we, we're here with, with purpose. We're made for a purpose bigger than this. And there's more to life than just what meets the eye. There's real purpose and dignity behind every one of us. God made us with that purpose to be in a relationship with him. Relationship's a word that you hear from this platform all the time at Regent, and it's, it's great. Relationship with God. The Lord Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and you might have the fullness of life, an abundance of life. Not just a good time here on earth for 60, 70, 80, 90 years, 100 if you're Martha, because she's very old. <laughs> oh... We'll come back to that one later, in joke from the home group. But we've, the Lord Jesus came that we might have hope beyond this life and hope into the everlasting. See, after life on earth, eternity is out there ahead of every one of us. And we need to make sure that we're on the right track when we leave earth to go to be with God in heaven. We are made for relationship with God, but look at the hymn. Whoever wrote this song, this hymn, they start from... Uh, they really tell us their journey. They're starting from a really dark place. And this is the why. Why do we need the Easter message? Well, the person who wrote the hymn says, How great the chasm that lay between us, and how high the mountain that I couldn't climb. This person's thinking spiritually here. They're thinking about how they stand before the God of heaven. And they're saying, hey, there's a, there's a chasm here. There's a gulf, there's a gap, there's a divide between me and between God. And there's a mountain so high that I can't summit this mountain. I'm powerless and I'm helpless. They've come to a realization as they've written this song that they need Jesus in their lives. This realization, I think, and I think I could probably say this from the Bible, I think this comes to every one of us at some point or another in life maybe it's the quiet moments you know when you put your head on the pillow at night and you're alone in your thoughts maybe it's through difficulties in life and the trials of life that is part of the human condition it comes to every one of us the difficulties of life but in those quiet moments there is within every one of us i think there is god putting within us that realization that something's not quite as it should be the song puts it more eloquently than I can. The chasm and the gap and the mountain. So we were made for, for God and by God. We were made with purpose. Why then the, the gap between us? Why a mountain that we can't get to? Why is there a problem between us and between heaven, between God? God hasn't moved. That's important to note. God hasn't moved from us. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't walked away from us. Rather, the Bible tells us that it's us as a race who have turned our back generally on the God of heaven. Now, God hasn't 
left us alone. The Bible tells us he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And he'll never act out of character. And he'll never do something that we wouldn't expect of God because he's consistently consistent. And he's loving and he's kind and he's gracious and he's wonderful. And he loves every one of us and he made us. Isn't that great? But we as humans, we have gone away from God. And God is holy. Now I'm going to read to you the Gospel Coalition's definition of holiness. It says this refers to the absolute moral purity of God and the absolute distance between God and his human creatures. It's a lot to take in, isn't it? God is holy. Outside of sin and beyond sin. He's perfect in every way. And God cannot just overlook the fact that we are sinful. But he has taken great action to make sure we can be forgiven of our sins. We have a great gospel to proclaim. He's not abandoned us. He's reached out to us in mercy. The gospel, the Easter message, the resurrection. It's the hand of God reaching out to us and lifting us up. And putting our feet on a firm ground and saving us from ourselves and from our sin. Adam and Eve were the first people here. You ever wondered about Adam? There was a time before Eve when there was just Adam. Just one man on the whole planet. And then even when Eve came along, just two of them. Nuts to think about. Incredible. And Adam and Eve enjoyed what we've, we've been talking about. That close relationship with God. The friendship with him. As they lived in the paradise garden. And the Bible says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. Amazing to think of this paradise scene and the creator there with his creatures who he had made. Not only did they know the, the great heights of that relationship with God, but Adam and Eve knew the crushing agony of separation from God. We have a verse from Isaiah that you're about to see on, on the screen. This is what Adam and Eve knew firsthand. They disobeyed God and this chasm that we have sang about or that we've looked at and this mountain that's unassailable, it's our sin that takes us and separates us from God. And Adam and Eve were taken out of that garden of Eden never to return again, separated from God because of their sin. This is the why. Why do we need Easter why do we need Jesus? Why do people all around the world today, why will there be millions upon millions celebrating and rejoicing today in the resurrection of Jesus? Well, we do it because we, we need a savior. Every one of us needs a savior. How can our relationship with God be restored and how can we scale that mountain? Listen, God is keenly aware of you. And every aspect of your life and your character and your personality and every little circumstance of your life today is known in heaven. Isn't that great? You here today in Newcastle, you're known by the God of heaven. He's holding the cosmos together by the words of his power and he knows what you had for your breakfast. And he knows what you're thinking about. Maybe, oh, I can't wait to get out of this church service or maybe you can't wait for the Easter egg hunt. He knows everything about every one of us. And in his awareness of who we are, what we are, he reaches out his hand in love to us and he offers us salvation. He sent his son, Jesus, to be our savior. The Bible says this about God, that he has put within our hearts eternity. 
Have you ever thought of eternity? A never, ever, ever-ending state, eternity. God's put eternity within our hearts to give us that realization we need to be right with God and we need our sins forgiven before we leave this earth and before we go off into eternity, get right with God. Mark, could we jump back one screen to the hymn? Is that okay? Sorry to be a total pain. I must remember to buy a memory stick. That's a key learning for me today. The song says, in desperation, I turned to heaven and I spoke your name into the night. That's what we all need to come to today. Not necessarily desperation, but a realization that we need the Lord Jesus, to speak his name, to call out to him to be saved. There are loads of people who think they're too bad to be saved, right? God can't save me because I've done this. And equally, there's loads who go like, well, I don't need to be saved because I, you know, that's not for me. The Bible says that he's not waiting to reject you, to turn you away, to shame you. He doesn't want anything but good for you. God's waiting and willing for you to come back to him and have that relationship restored so this is the the why why do we need to have that relationship put right why do we need a living hope let's think for a few minutes then of how do we get it how do we get this living hope uh, i think mark we're going to go to first peter 1 verse 3 please yes excellent the slides are in order fantastic I must buy Mark an Easter egg as a way of thanks for this. Well, we read this verse. Notice the exclamation mark after the first verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, might we be praising God today when we think about the resurrection of Jesus. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse speaks to us of his great mercy. Mercy is a great word. It's a good Bible word. And grace is another great Bible word too. And mercy and grace are often found together in the Bible. Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. So God graciously sent his son Jesus to be our savior. We didn't deserve it. And mercy is almost like the opposite. When, when God withholds from us the punishment that we rightly deserve. And the verse says here, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. God has given mercy to all of us. He's acted towards us mercifully. And how is it that God has acted mercifully to us? Well, Romans 8 verse 32, our next verse tells us, God showed no mercy to Jesus for my sin and for yours. Isn't that incredible? The Bible says God didn't spare his own son. He freely gave him for us all. Isn't that wonderful? The son of God came from heaven to earth to wear my sin and to bear my shame as the song so nicely puts it. Jesus stepped out of eternity into time, became a baby in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life and was crucified at Calvary at Golgotha outside of Jerusalem for my sins and for yours. And he took the wrath of God and the justice that God had to mete out for sin and its punishment. It was met and borne by Jesus in full upon the cross. He took my sin. He took my sorrow. He suffered for it. He hung on the cross and he bled and he died for me and for you. This is 
how we have living hope. God spared not, the Bible says. He didn't spare his own son. He had no mercy towards him. And on the cross, all of the awfulness of sin was poured out upon Jesus. And he bore it in his own body on the cross for you and for me. This is great mercy. But for his son, the Lord Jesus, no mercy upon the cross. He suffered for our sins. The Bible says this of the Lord Jesus. He tasted death for everybody. Of all of our senses, I think taste is probably the most personal, right? You could smell something or see something. or But if you taste it, if you eat something, it's in your mouth and you ingest it and it, you eat it, it, you taste it fully, it, it almost becomes part of you. Jesus tasted death for you and for me. Isn't that incredible? You are loved beyond measure today. Jesus bore our debt on the cross. And through this mercy, the Bible says we can be born again. Born into living hope. Now, you've probably heard the expression of a born again Christian. It's a really great expression. I like it. It's found in John in chapter 3 in the Bible. And there's a chap called Nicodemus who comes to meet with the Lord Jesus. And he asks, what do I need to do to have eternal life? The Lord Jesus tells Nicodemus, great name by the way, isn't it? Nicodemus. He says, you have to be born again. Now he was a smart cookie, Nicodemus. He had a bit of status and he was a, a man who would have been known in his town and he kind of, he goes, well, can I go again into my mother's womb and, and be reborn? Is, is that the idea? And the Lord Jesus has to tell him, no, it, it's new life from heaven. You can be born again with power and life from God, the Holy Spirit living within you. Because Jesus died, when we trust him, the Bible says we die with him. Because he rose, it says, when we trust him, we rise with him in newness of life, born again. The Apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Now, it's a fact that Jesus died. It's a fact around 2,000 years ago. Because I've trusted in him, when Jesus died outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, Matt Smith died with Jesus on the cross. And if you've trusted him as well, as if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you died with him on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's done and you're dead. Your old self, dead with the Lord Jesus. And buried with the Lord Jesus. And risen with the Lord Jesus. We are crucified with Christ. If we're dead in that sense, if we died with the Lord Jesus to sin, Sin has no hold on us anymore. Death has no hold on us anymore. We're free from it and we're reborn and we're made alive from God himself. We are born into a living hope. So if you're a Christian today, you've got living hope in the Lord Jesus. And if you're not, you can have it. If you're not born again, you can have living hope. You can have the prospect of eternity, safe and secure, sins forgiven, peace with God, brought into his family, hope in your heart, joy in your soul. It's wonderful. It's the greatest thing you could ever imagine. And it's a living hope we have through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's why we're so passionate about Easter Sunday. We are linked 
If we are linked with Jesus, if we've trusted him, we are forever linked to victory. We are forever linked to his resurrection. We are his and his forever. Our next verse is Romans chapter 6. It tells us that if we've been united with him in death, we'll be united with him in resurrection. So for the Christian, resurrection is our hope. Resurrection unto life, to be with him forever and forever. His death counts for mine. His resurrection ensures that I will rise with him. This is what happened if you've trusted the Lord Jesus. We have a living hope. And then thirdly, we're just going to speak about the, the what. What does it mean to have this living hope? And uh, I think if we click the, the screen, please, Mark, we'll see the next, the next part of our, of our song that, that I so love to sing. To sing about the one who set us free. What it means in practical terms for us is we are free from sin. We are completely liberated. Uh, Luke chapter 4, our, our next verse that's about to come on the screen, tells us one of the reasons the Lord Jesus came. Now, this verse was written in prophecy many, many years before he came, but Jesus took these words and spoke them to, to fulfill that prophecy, to speak of himself. He said he'd come to preach the good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom to prisoners to give sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. Think back to that first verse of, of the song, the great chasm between us and the mountain that we couldn't climb. The Bible speaks about that condition as being like bound in chains and, and held in our sin, powerless to free ourselves. Jesus came to preach freedom and forgiveness and liberty to set us free from all of that, to take our burden, to take our punishment, to bear it on the cross that we might live. And we as captives can be set free and be loosed. If you were here last Sunday, Andy led us to the cross. And he spoke of that cry of Jesus as he was hanging on the cross. The single word, finished. And he explained to us its meaning of, of paid in full, like a receipt being stamped. It was, a, it was a great analogy, Andy. Well, this living hope that we have is founded on this, that the price was fully paid by the Lord Jesus. The chains that bind us can be loosed. The judgment that we deserve can be taken away and borne by the Lord Jesus. The price has been paid and it's finished. Uh, and the song sings, uh, is it this one here? Uh, if, we, if we jump across, Mark, sorry, to the, to the song. We sing, praise the one who set me free. It's great on Easter Sunday to be a Christian and to sing of being set free. The guilt of sin, gone. Peace with God is mine, it could be yours. Uh, and the, the hymn says, he set me free. Death has lost its grip on me. Now, this is a really interesting statement a really great bible founded principle death has lost its grip on me see there's a universal law that the bible teaches us if we sin we die that's a universal principle you see the evidence evidence of it all around us on earth everybody dies the wages of sin the payment for sin is death it's awful and death casts a shadow across the whole human family because we all have to deal with it and, and look at it and face it, don't we? We all know people who have gone that way. And we are all heading 
that way. Life here on earth is short. But death for the Christian, death has no grip on the Christian. Death can rightfully claim us. Death can rightfully say, Matt Smith is sinful and I'll, I'll take God's principle. The wages of sin is death. So I can claim Matt Smith because he's a sinner and I can get my fingers into him and when he dies, I can claim him for myself. I can take him, he's mine. Jesus rose in victory and the power of death is defeated. Death has lost its grip on me. And if you're a Christian, it's lost its grip on you because Jesus rose again. The power of death is finished and defeated. Death is dead and lovers won. It's incredible. And that thing that terrifies every human, every one of us looks off to that day when death will take its grip on us. Jesus has finished it forever by rising in victory from the dead. Death has lost its grip on me. And if you're a Christian, on you. You can live forever with peace with God because of the Lord Jesus. He rose. Death couldn't keep a hold of him. I think we've got Acts 2 coming up on the screen. You can imagine when the Lord Jesus died. You can picture, we might personify death for a minute. We might try to picture death, trying to, to hold on to Jesus. He's dead, he's finished, he's mine, and I'm bringing him into the grave, and he's finished, and he's gone, and he's over. And death tries to, to, to grasp him, but death has nothing on which to take a claim and lay hold. Death tries to hold Jesus and it cannot grasp him. It cannot keep him. He bursts out of the grave in triumph. There's nothing in him that death could even ever get a hold of. He rises again in power and in victory. He is alive. And the thought is really of a prototype. You all know what a prototype is, don't you? It's when you design something or make something, you, you go through a few iterations, don't you? When you, you try and, well, not me, but, you know, think of an iPhone. When they first made an iPhone, they design it and they refine it and they change it and they maybe put a button on or take a button off and they get it to how it should be. And the prototype then is finished and they go, right, here's the one and we're going to base our design on this and all of the production will follow based on one prototype design. Now, the word used about Jesus in the New Testament is similar to the word prototype. He rose from the grave. He's the first one who died and will never, ever die again. And God says, here's my prototype. Because he died and rose again and he's never going to die, I'm going to make a production line full of other people who death has no grasp on them. Death has no claim on them. And yes, I might die. Jesus might come first and take me to be heaven but yes I might die but death cannot hold me because Jesus is my prototype he went first God's proved the model and now there's a production line of Christians all around the world death has no grip upon the Christian it's amazing and it can be yours today through faith another way it's described in the Bible is of corn and the Lord Jesus said like if you have a corn of wheat Unless it dies and you put it in the ground and bury it, unless there, there's a plant there, it'll just stay dead and there'll be nothing. But if, if, it's, if it dies and it goes in the ground and you water it and you plant that, it'll grow up again and, and there'll be fruit from it. There'll be new life. And the Bible says of the Lord Jesus, he is the first fruit of a new harvest. So imagine you're a farmer and I, I don't know when harvest time is. I'm going to guess around now because it's Easter sort of time, maybe, I'm hoping. 
Uh, imagine you're a farmer, I'm not a farmer, and you go into your field uh, and you go, right, well, here's some crops in my field, right? And you, you, you kind of you can pick up the first one and go, right, brilliant. Uh, it looks healthy, it looks good. That, that first fruit from the crop, that's how Jesus described the first fruits from the dead. This first fruit, it tells me what's in store. It shows to me there's another harvest coming, a big harvest, and it's going to be like this one. It's the first fruit. And so it is with the Lord Jesus. He is the first fruits from among the dead. And when we look at him risen in power and victory, we can think, well, there's a harvest coming. I, by God's grace, and you can, by God's grace, be part of the harvest, born again in newness of life, death having no grip upon you. And when we sing that song, we sing at the end, Jesus, yours is the victory. Now, I know I've been all over the place this morning, and I, I apologize. I hope you've followed the thought through of why we need this living hope in Jesus and how we have it. It's all because of him and because of the cross. And what does it mean for us? Well, it means that we can live with the Lord Jesus forever. The Lord Jesus some, once asked somebody, do you believe in the resurrection? And they said, yeah, I, I do. You know, the power of the resurrection is evidenced in people around you today. If you're not a Christian, if you've got friends in the room who are Christians, the power of it is alive in them. God living in their hearts. The power of it can be felt by everybody today through faith in the Lord Jesus, reaching out that hand to him and praying, Lord, save me, turning away from our sin and turning to him. So Easter Sunday, Daniel, one minute warning. Everybody breathes a sigh of relief. Easter Sunday, the most incredible day for Christians. The power of death defeated. I was running around the house this morning, stressed to death, trying to find a USB stick, trying to type up my notes into something I could actually read rather than that, which I couldn't read. Deborah's on holiday. Hello, Deborah, if you're there. Ironed a shirt all by myself. <laughs> Gave the children fruit yesterday for lunch. Didn't leave a wet towel on the bed. As I was running around this morning trying to do everything on my own without Deborah there to support me and help me, Claire messaged in our WhatsApp group for the Sunday school. And in big letters, she said, God's not dead. He's risen. And this is the living hope of every Christian. And if you take nothing from us today at Regent, take this with you. Jesus is alive and in heaven and he's ready and he's willing and he's able to save and he's reaching out his hand from heaven itself to pull you up and lift you up and give you life and free you from the power of death and give you this hope, this living hope. I pray that it might be yours today through faith. I pray that you would turn to the Lord Jesus and ask him in his goodness and in his mercy to save you. Maybe think about it as we sing together now, living hope. Maybe think of the words and we pray that God would speak to you through 